As the weather gets warmer, the stink and the creepy crawlies come out of hiding. That's why we use First Saturday Lime in all of our animal enclosures and in the gardens. First Saturday Lime is the strongest and safest pesticide alternative on the market. It will not burn you or your animals, yet it is strong enough to repel insects and dry up their eggs and larvae. First Saturday Lime can also be used to freshen up your coops and barns. It soaks up the stink and helps extend the time between cleanup because, you know, I'm lazy. Oh, you know, or you could just say we're busy. That's right. It's busy. (laughs) (laughs) So go to FirstSaturdayLime.com and use code DRINK at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. Hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. What you drinking over there? So I am drinking this beautiful purple concoction Mm. that's currently sweating all over me. (laughs) Humidity. But that's all right. I made a wine spritzer with the blueberry sage simple goodness sisters syrup Mm. and more dark horse wine. I had to go buy another bottle of dark horse Um, and some... What did I put in it? Sprite. I did Sprite. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm a big fan. I had like a blueberry sage drink last night when we were out for Matt's birthday. And mm. it was pretty good. So I probably like that one. Yeah, I like it because it, it's not as sweet as the rhubarb vanilla one. Mm. So depending on what you're in the mood for, if you want really sweet, they have sweeter syrups. But this blueberry sage is not as sweet, but still tastes very good. So... What are you drinking over there? So tonight is the season finale of Game of Thrones. So I decided that I should drink uh, from the Dragon Mead Microbrewery Final Absolution, which is a Belgium-style triple ale. And it says, "'Tis better to curse the darkness than to light thy hand on fire." Mm. Whatever that means. <laughs> so you're drinking... A uh, Belgian Trapel. Yes. What's the ABV on that? Oh shoot, I don't know. Let me look. <laughs> um, dun, 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 sing Game of Thrones. Well, I it doesn't say on here. Oh, that's a little terrifying. Should I Google it. No. Well, what's, you know. let's have it be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> now I know scared. what it was by the end. Should I be scared? <laughs> You know, so I love uh, I love Trapels. It's one of my favorite styles of beer, but I rarely drink them on the podcast because I'm trying to drink a lower ABV just because I need to get through the whole thing. <laughs> Mother F, I Googled it. It's 10%. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, this one's saying 8.5, but oh, okay. no, it's no, it's 10%. This is, okay. yeah, this is legit. Well, that's really funny because I didn't do dragon's milk because that one's 11 so i just assumed looking at this one that it was not as bad um so we'll be drinking the other one while we're watching it tonight (laughs) if i'm still awake (laughs) i mean dragon's milk will be a great one to have during the episode but those uh trapels usually the trappist monks are who tends to brew that style of beer and i don't know i I never thought of trappist monks as being super into the alcohol but Mm. uh they must like the high abv because they're into those style of beer that's interesting wouldn't yeah well don't monks generally take a vow of silence they do so they won't tell you why they brew it so high well, and doesn't it make them chatty? Because when I drink, I get chattier. So that just seems like you're asking for it. <laughs> or maybe it really just challenges your vow of silence. I don't know. <laughs> now I'm wondering if maybe they just brew and they don't actually drink it. Because oh. they're monks. So they may also be sober. I was That's trying to true. think of what that fancy word is for sober, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Oh, crap. Teetotaler. Oh, 
Is that sober? Maybe. I feel mm. like this is if we keep talking about this, we're spiraling into our next week's correction corner really fast before this even kicks in for me. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. So we'll end this conversation. <laughs> yeah. And if you know anything about, you know, monks, you can email us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com and correct us. We won't mind. <laughs> and welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. Ooh, that's Bev over there. And that's Sam over there. And this is the Farm Comedy Podcast. That is an adult happy hour for your ears. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We want to create a community for farmers, whether you have a hobby-sized farm or a huge farm, to come listen and feel like you're not so alone in this farm thing. We keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, and sometimes we go off on tangents about monks (laughs) or other non-farming related things. (laughs) And sometimes we cut those and put those up on our Patreon. Yeah, and the episode outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So if you go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm, you'll be able to check out the different levels of support, which start out at $2.00. And you'll be able to gain access to that if you become a Patreon. Yeah, and we also have some other fun things up there and some other exclusive recordings and pictures and all sorts of neat things. So go check it out. Yes. And speaking of Patreon, drinks this week are sponsored by Elise Ferguson, who is also known as EGF Brahma Mama on Instagram. Cheers, lady. Cheers. So we don't have any corrections this week, but I have a, I stuck it in the corrections corner, but it's more a Bev's really forgetful corner. Oh. We read something that was posted by at Wild Rose Farmer on Instagram during last week's episode. And that was kind of like a, what, what's what I'm looking for? We hadn't planned that. It was improvised it was improvised that is the right word so I had just quickly pulled it up on my phone and read it and totally forgot to give her credit I did link to it in the show notes last week um, but I wanted to make sure and apologize officially for that and let everybody know that we did read something off of somebody else's Instagram um, that was during episode 62 and it was the newspaper write-in that was about that guy that just could not even get over the fact that women were painting a crosswalk. <laughs> oh my God, it's the end of the world. <laughs> yes. So I'm so sorry, Caitlin. Um, Caitlin is at Wild Rose Farmer on Instagram. And she's also the host of the Rural Woman podcast, which was the pod- one of the podcasts that I recommended last week. So there we go. Yeah. Please forgive us if you're listening to this. <laughs> yes, yes. You would think that by, what, episode 63, I would know how to give credit. But eh. You know what? What's important is that we go back and make it right. That is true. We're human. We make uh-huh. mistakes. Yes, we are. And yes, we do. And I do have some follow-up this week. Okay. Yeah, and I actually looked up what episode I needed to reference this week. Whoa. So nice. I'm on top of it. I love it. <laughs> so in episode 52, which is section is required, I discussed how I was planning on having a three sisters garden. Mm-hmm. The title has nothing to do with the Three Sisters Garden. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, but I wanted to let everybody know that I'm adding sunflowers as a fourth sister in the Three Sisters Garden and tell everybody why. I feel like it needs to be renamed to the Four Sisters Garden, but or you know, me. maybe you can say Three Sisters and a brother, Three Sisters <laughs> and a dude. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, good point. Uh, So sunflowers are the lesser known sister in the Three Sisters Garden. And the reason why you plant sunflowers in there is because they distract the birds from picking on your corn with their delicious seeds. So that leaves more sweet corn for you. Interesting. Yeah, pretty handy, huh? Mm -hmm. Uh, And they also add another option for vining veggies to climb. So I'm going to plant cucumbers at the base of the sunflowers. So I guess I'm adding a fifth sister. Jeez, you have too many sisters. <laughs> I have a quiver of sisters. Um, and uh, 
the uh, cucumbers and sunflowers are actually companion plants. And uh, companion planting allows you to take advantage of the natural preferences of two or more plants when you grow them together. It gives them sort of a mutual benefit. So in the case of sunflowers and cucumbers, the sunflower's sturdy stalk provide a support for the cucumber vines to climb up. And the cucumbers' large leaves shade the soil, which keep it moist and reduced seeds. No, not seeds. Weeds. There you go. Yes. Weeds. <laughs> weeds. Boo. Weeds. Yay. Yeah. Seeds. <laughs> <laughs> and according to some sources, cucumbers produce a higher yield when planted with sunflowers than when planted without sunflowers. So we shall see. I didn't plant cucumbers last year, so I don't have anything to compare it to. Mm. But I do know one thing about gardening here in Ohio is I don't think anybody ever complains that they don't have enough cucumbers. Oh, okay. Yeah, last year I got like five five-gallon buckets from somebody to pickle. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and my neighbor and I spent like every evening for three weeks pickling all those damn pickles. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I love pickles. Ugh. Yeah, I love pickles, too. I'll bring you some to Coop Camp because I need to get rid of last year's pickles before I pickle again this year. (laughs) I will gladly take those off your hands. I might eat them all while we're there. (laughs) That's totally fine. I'll eat some with you. Have you ever had lime pickles? No, but it sounds like something I'd like to try. (laughs) They are my favorite kind of pickle. I will make a note to myself to bring you a jar. Anybody that has had lime pickles can like chime in on our Instagram or in the group or something to tell us how much you love them also because I can't imagine anybody hates lime pickles. Mm. Uh, They're that good, but it's my favorite kind of pickle. I love bread and butter pickles and just like classic dill, but there's something about the lime pickles that's like really good. Total tangent on pickles. I don't even think I've heard of those before, so I'm pretty excited. And... uh, if you would like to know how to companion plant cucumbers and sunflowers together, you just wait to plant your cucumbers for when the sunflowers are about a foot tall. Hmm. And when you're choosing your sunflower varieties, make sure that you pick uh, ones that are sort of known for being more stocky and stronger because the mammoth varieties that get crazy tall, like you've seen those 12 foot tall yeah. sunflowers, those usually require supports to not blow over in the wind and you don't want all your cucumbers going with it. Plus, how are you going to pick cucumbers that are up 12 feet in the air? <laughs> um, a 12-foot ladder. <laughs> that sounds dangerous and not something you should do while drinking and farming. That is true. Yes. But I might, I don't know, I might try to give that a shot because, um, wow, my hometown has the Sunflower Festival every year. Um, so mm. I'm a fan of sunflowers and... They're such happy flowers, and I love cucumbers, whether they're pickled or not. So might have to give that a shot. You totally should. Sunflowers are really easy to grow, and cucumbers are also. Those are two plants that if you don't feel like you have a green thumb, most people can get at least a few of them started, even in the worst soil conditions. So I'd definitely give those a try. Well, we just get to get right to it this week. Yes, we do. I'm excited to hear about this because I know that watching your Instagram stories, um, the first attempt at this fence was not all that you had hoped for, and the chickens were just walking right under it. So I'm excited (laughs) to hear about the improvements you were able to make and how it's going. Yeah. So what we've done is we put in an electric garden fence and it has been done for a few weeks, but it's finally keeping the chickens out. Yay. (laughs) Which means I can actually share the details on it. I was really excited when we first started it because I was like, oh, I can tell everybody all about it. And then it failed. And I was like, well, I don't know what we did wrong. I knew I would talk about it eventually because we don't hide our failures. But I'm like, there's got to be a way I can make this work. (laughs) So uh, I guess I'll start at the beginning of our fence journey. Because, you know, fences (laughs) are so fascinating. I'm going to use the word journey every episode from now on. (laughs) So for us, uh, a fence is necessary because I love letting the chickens free range. Um, There's something about it that feels like quintessentially farm to me. So... 
they're not happy when they're in their coop and I'm not happy when they're in their coop. So I let them free range. But like anybody that has chickens knows that when you let those bitches out, they just go after everything mm-hmm. and anything and poop mm-hmm. on everything. So. So, yeah, they will totally tear all of your garden up and eat every bite of it and you won't get to have any. Mm, so rude. <laughs> they are. They're super rude. But I mean, they turn it into eggs. So I guess it's not a total waste, but still. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> and we also have some serious wildlife issues here. And some advice that somebody gave me, I wish I knew exactly where it came from because I would like quote it officially, but uh, the saying is, is that anyone that gardens should know that you need to plant three times what you hope to harvest because a third of it will go to the wildlife, a third of it will go to the weather, and a third of it should go in your belly. But the wildlife was taking everything in my gardens that the chickens were not. <laughs> so even if I like locked the chickens up, the wildlife were just ripping everything out and either throwing it or eating it, which mm. is super rude. Gotcha. So uh, we decided that the garden had to have a fence if we were going to have one. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jared designed this really gorgeous garden for us. It had a fence that was made with two by fours and hog panels. There was an arbor. It was covered in all these beautiful flowers. It was magical. I'm sure there were rainbows and sunshine. You know, all that stuff. Maybe a unicorn frolicking in the background. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) exactly but then we priced out what it was going to cost to build this dream garden and it was in the multiples of thousands of dollars and was going to take weeks and weeks of labor (laughs) maybe we can add that as a new patreon goal (laughs) right bev's dream garden i mean i ended up getting my donkey without hitting the patreon goal so yeah gotta Mm. put it out in the universe and it'll just pick it up and run with it apparently right And, you know, like gardening is my hobby and it feeds my family. So I don't have issues with spending money on the garden. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's a it's a pretty hefty investment to make in your garden and yourself. But if it's something you love doing and you have the funds, you should totally do it. But we're being cheapskates over here because we're trying to pay off our mortgage early. Just going to take for freaking ever. (laughs) Just being responsible human beings is all. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We're trying to be real adults over here. Uh, which is not easy and not always the funnest thing to do. (laughs) But it'll be fun when you pay it off early. (laughs) Yes. Even if it's only five years early, I'll still feel really good about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so the dream garden is going to have to wait. So I had this genius idea for an electric fence to go around the garden. And the electric fence that we have was a concept that I just sort of made up in my head. It turns out lots of other people were doing it, so I didn't really make it up. It's not outside the realm of possibility that people have the same idea, mm-hmm. you know, without knowing about them. So right. <laughs> I don't think I invented it or anything. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking it was going to be something that was really simple and really cheap and we could like whip up in a day. Um, but spoiler alert, it was not super fast. It took way longer than a day. Uh, (laughs) It was pretty affordable, though. We only spent about $400 on it, which if your budget's really tight, $400 is still a lot of money to spend on a fence. Mm -hmm. But it will last until I get to build the other fence because it's made out of all really sturdy materials. Right. So it's, again, an investment. And the more practical approach until you can get your unicorn dream garden. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, part of what made that unicorn dream garden so expensive was that my husband didn't want to have to rebuild it a bunch of times. So we were pricing it out in cedar. <laughs> oh, damn. He's got bougie taste over there. Right. Well, cedar like stands up to the elements and doesn't get eaten by all the bugs and stuff. Whereas like mm-hmm. untreated pine, you know, you got to start replacing those boards every five or six years. <laughs> right. So he was thinking the long game. <laughs> he was. He was like, we're going to die in that garden and we're going to be buried <laughs> in these cedar beds and the bugs are not going to get us. <laughs> You will be perfectly mummified in the ground. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's not creepy at all. No, not at all. I mean, my body can feed other people's vegetables. I don't know how they feel about that, but... (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like another podcast topic. (laughs) It does. Strange turns. Strange turns over here. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So uh, when we started on this fence journey, I did the first trip to TSC by myself. I picked up the solar fence charger, which is just, I can't remember what the brand of it is off the top of my head. I probably should put that in the notes, but it's the one that TSC sells. Mm. And uh, I went with the two mile one. It's 0.04 jowls, jewels. Joules. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Jewels. Maybe. Yeah. It's the like electric current word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how electricity is measured. Yeah. Okay. If you're an electrician or you know anything about electricity. I am not one of those people, but it's enough of a zap that it's good for chickens, dogs, and small wildlife. But it doesn't work for deer or livestock. Mm. And I went with the smaller charge fence because I didn't really think that Herc or the goats were going to end up getting over to the garden because they're in their own pasture. And I'm not really trying to keep the deer out. I don't think they'll jump in there anyways because of the raised beds and like the big tomato trellises and stuff. Deer don't tend to jump into things that they're not positive they can get back out of. Mm. So I think they're mostly going to stay away. We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out. I haven't seen them in there yet. And actually, since Herc has been on the property, I have not seen a deer. (laughs) Interesting. Wow. So he's doing, he might be doing his job just farther out than just his little pasture area, which is super cool. Yeah, it is. Well, every time they would come on the property, he'd start braying at them and they'd freak out and leave. (laughs) We were trying to figure out why he was going off at five o'clock every morning, like pretty persistently. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's when the deer usually come out and try to eat all the garden. But yeah, not anymore. (laughs) So we'll find out. We'll see if if he still keeps them away during the rut. You know how deer are during the rut. Uh Uh-huh. And then uh, during this first trip to TSC, I also bought uh, the plastic pieces that you need to hang the wire from the T-posts. And uh, that was it. (laughs) That was all I bought. (laughs) I was like, this is totally going to be a fence. And this is going to keep our garden safe. (laughs) And I got home and Jerry was like, "Uh, did you actually research anything about an electric fence? Because I think more goes into it than this. I was like, no, I did not research this. <laughs> Which is so funny because you usually like research the crap out of everything that we talk about or before you like bought Herc, like you, you know, looked into that a ton even. I know it was very out of character. I can't remember what was going on when this started, but I just like I needed a fence. So I was like, I'm just going to go with TSC and get the shit I need. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'll be able to figure this out. This is not a big deal. This is just a fence. How hard can this be? (laughs) It was harder than she thought it was. That was my narrator voice. Yes. In the third person. (laughs) (laughs) So we went back to TSC. They have this really handy electric fence flip book like stuck to the area where all of the electric fence supplies are interesting yeah as long as you have your measurements for how big your fence is and like how many t-posts and how much wire and stuff you need you can figure out how you want to configure it right there in the store because they've got all the stuff and this isn't a commercial for them they don't like pay us for this this is just literally how we actually built our fence Mm -hmm. so we were standing there flipping through the book and we figured out that we needed a grounding rod We needed a way to connect the grounding rod to the fence charger, and we needed a way to connect the charger to the fence wires. It's pretty cool. It kind of looks like a like a car battery, Mm, like with all the stuff like kind of zigzagging them all together. And I'll post a picture of the way that we set the charger up and connected it to the ground wire up on the Instagram with this episode, Uh, because I think it's kind of handy to have the visual. Um, but it's really hard to describe it in words. Right. Um, yeah. Right. It, it's not the easiest thing. No. So uh, we also needed, what else did we need? Oh, yeah. We needed corner posts for the fence because T-posts don't really make great corner posts. I mean, you can probably jimmy rig them together, but if you want your fence to last for forever and withhold anything, like you need some corner posts. Mm-hmm. And we needed a gate because we had to get into this garden. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can't jump that high. And I don't think you want to crawl either. 
No, it would be super hard to crawl under this because wait until you hear how high the bottom wire is off the ground. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we also needed a gate that was big enough for our utility vehicle to fit through unless we wanted to have to carry like all the materials and stuff that we needed in there in buckets, which mm. we do that sometimes for small projects. But when you're like mulching a whole big giant three sisters bed, it's easier just to drive in you know, with a wagon full of stuff and dump it all. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. So uh, this is a like legit electric fence and it is a legit way to keep the chickens out and some of the wildlife out. Uh, So the way that we did it was we have four strands run. So some of the bunnies and squirrels do still come in. I've caught them a couple of times, but they're not... (laughs) Like, we're only getting a handful, which is fine. I don't mind sharing with Mother Nature. Right. Just as long as there's not, like, a whole party going on in there. <laughs> right. That makes sense. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to keep them all out. And a hog panel fence still probably wouldn't have kept them all out. Like, some things would still climb over it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about Mother Nature. She is persistent. Yes, she is. And it took us a while to figure out how to make it work for the chickens, Uh, It turned out that we had to add a wire later, which is something that I don't recommend. I recommend when you build your fence, you put the right number of wires on it. (laughs) Unless you're going to add a top wire, adding a bottom wire is not so easy. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine it would be, but it's not something like you fully think through while you're doing that. Well, and it was funny when we were first trying to decide how to put the bottom wire up, Jared actually had me pick up a chicken and bring it over so we could see how tall it was. (laughs) And Jared's like, we want it to touch their combs um, because chickens are covered in feathers and their feathers do a pretty good job of insulating them from the it's it's not a I'm going to call it a shock, but it's not like something cruel. It's more like a like a like. A static zap just enough to make you not want to do it again is what yeah, it sounds like <laughs> exactly like I can totally touch the fence I don't like it but it's not going to kill me or anything which is one of the reasons why I went with the lower charge too because mm-hmm. kids and you know oh, yeah. visitors yes. and whatnot like if somebody hits it on accident I just want them to go oh, I don't want them to be electrocuted like black out and fall down yeah <laughs> yeah that sounds embarrassing yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we were trying to set the bottom wire at a height that would hit the chicken's comb. Okay. Because that's the more likely spot where they would get the zap. Mm. And if they got zapped enough times, that should keep them from wanting to go in there. Well, we initially put the bottom wire at 10 inches because we were like, well, that's how tall a chicken is. So (laughs) they should, you know, walk right under it and it should scrape their comb and that should get them. Nope. They were ducking their heads so that it didn't ever touch their heads. Oh, that's And it was so just smart. touching their back. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Smart chickens. Yeah. So we ended up putting our first wire at five inches instead. Okay. So that they have to walk in between the five inch and 10 inch wire, mm. which gives it the opportunity to hit their belly and their feet and right. their comb. Because, um, when they're broody, they'll peck feathers out of their belly and their chest mm-hmm. and their necks and stuff. So they're more likely to get a zap if they're growing back some feathers or they're molting or whatnot. So now I've got two spots where they can possibly get zapped at. And it must have worked because they don't come into the garden anymore. Once we added that bottom wire, I had like three that were brave and kept coming in. But then <laughs> they eventually must have all gotten a little zap because they don't even walk over to it anymore. They learned their lesson quick. They're very smart. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know that this fence would necessarily work for every flock. Like if your chickens are more persistent or Mm -hmm. you don't have as much area to roam, they may like the garden might really be their fun spot. But like they have a dust bath in a garden bed that I just let them tear to pieces. They can have it. It's theirs. It's not mine anymore. (laughs) And they've got 12 acres to roam. So they've been zapped a couple of times and they're like, this is not worth it. We have all of this space to get all of this great stuff from. So, I mean, I don't know if they thought through it quite that much, but. I mean, we can pretend we can project our human thoughts on them this one time. I think that is acceptable. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> and I also learned that the fence is just a tad stronger when it's humid or raining out. 
and it loses some zap if the grass is touching the bottom wire. So oh. it's possible that some of our issues may have been that the grass was too tall and it was, you know, causing the zap to not be quite as strong or the chickens just happened to get zapped on a really humid day and they were like, oh, <laughs> F that, I'm out of here. <laughs> They're like, nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that is our garden fence. And uh, I did like a little garden tour uh, on my Instagram stories. I highlighted it. It's 2019 garden. I'll do like a full walk around the fence and talk a little bit more about it and add it to that highlight so people can go get a closer look at it if they're interested or trying to find another idea for a fence. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you finally got it to work for you. And I think that's a great example of like going into a project and it not going perfectly the first time and then just kind of re-navigating, recalculating like a GPS. <laughs> yeah. And, we do a lot of recalculating around here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to figure it out and that's all right. Well, and it's funny. I was thinking about this today while we were working in the garden. Like a lot of the stuff that we do, I end up researching a little too obsessively, but I typically end up putting my own spin on it because the way that somebody else did it isn't necessarily going to be what works best here. So sometimes it feels a little funny to talk about things because I'm like, I don't know if anybody could emulate this exactly on their homestead, but I don't know that that's necessarily the goal like hearing other people's ideas and how they do things kind of gets the gears rolling on how like, okay, how can I adapt this for here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, we use the same blueprint as you guys did for the goat um, for the milk stand. And we, Matt, well, Matt built it. I won't lie. <laughs> he like <laughs> loosely followed it. And then, you know, we had to make some adjustments afterwards because we found that it was a little too high for the goats and, you know, they, like, wiggled their little heads right out of it. Um, and it, it was just a little too wide. So we ended up having to cut a pool noodle in half because um, we cut a little <laughs> too wide. And then it's like they got a nice little cushion for their face. And it, so it's not like, you know, if I take a picture of it on it and put it on Instagram, it looks a little ridiculous because, you know, it's got a pool noodle um, on the stanchion, but it's fine. Cause it works. And, and you know what, it, we could have maybe followed the blueprint perfectly and maybe it would have worked out the first time, but we had an idea of what we wanted it to do. So, you know, we kind of just put our little Michigan redneck spin on it and you know, <laughs> it's functional and that's what matters. So it's like, you can talk all day about how you're doing something, but you know, everybody's going to put their own little spin on it. And I think that's great. You know, we're just an example of what you can do when we talk about these things. We're not like the source of truth. I love that idea to put the pool noodle on the stanchion. I'm going to recommend that to Jared because we did have um, the bigger goats. I mean, they're all Nigerian dwarf goats, but a couple of mine are a little bigger than the others. And the bigger goats are fine but the little ones if they get their head like just right they can pull it out mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really made for like adult like fully like fully grown Nigerian dwarf goats but when we first built ours ours weren't quite all the way fully grown so we like put one in and we we're like oh that's not gonna work so what we ended up doing <laughs> was uh adding an extra eyelet you know for the oh. for the hook to go in so we could just tighten it so we just yeah. like crossed it over and then put an extra eyelet but I like the I like the pool noodle idea because they do struggle at first yeah. when they get in it. So that'll help them from uh, injuring themselves. Yeah, it was really creepy because we put the little guys in there too to give them their very first first hoof trims. And like Tater Tot was pulling his head back so hard that like his eyelids were doing were like looking really weird. And I was like, is he like is he going to lose an eye over this or something? <laughs> Cause they just don't like it. Um, and, and the little guys were too small to like reach their head down into the food bucket and to get anything. So I had to hand feed them treats and that helped, but yeah. Cause that gives them something to do. It like distracts them. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> oh, you just reminded me I need to trim my goat's hooves. It's been yeah. far too long. Yeah. But the milk stand does make that easier. It does. 
I'm not lazy. I'm just busy. I got to get out of that mind frame of just defaulting to lazy. I don't know why. It's like self-deprecating. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes. But I think we both have talked about before, like how we can just be so mean to ourselves. And it's just flipping that around. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing to, like, seek out your negative traits so you can improve. But when you have that negative self-talk all the time, I don't think that's good either. So I've been trying to, like, spin some of that stuff for myself, too. I like it. Positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. And speaking of positive thoughts, we're going to go into our We Can't Even corner. And Sam, I'm going to have you go first. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So we can end on a positive note. Okay. I was going to be like, is it just because you want to drink your beer because you're tired or drink your beverage because you're tired of talking because you talked most of this episode or is it because of how gross mine is? (laughs) It's a little both. But I was just thinking about that. I was like, I'm always trying to find something like really positive and I don't know where you find some of this stuff from. Like, Sam reads a different internet than I do. (laughs) Well, I actually saw this on Facebook from my cousin's ex-lady friend. They're both dairy farmers, my cousin and his ex-lady friend. And she shared this. So I didn't go digging for this one. I just kind of happened across it. So the headline reads, Trapped Nebraska Farmer Cuts Off Leg with Penknife. So this dude wasn't even drinking. And, you know, when we say, like, don't drink and use an auger, um, this is why. This guy wasn't drinking. He was using a grain auger, and this story happened. So if you're pretty squeamish, you might want to skip forward about two or three minutes um, to see how far I got. (laughs) And hopefully you don't (laughs) land on the wrong spot. Um, But I couldn't even, like, the level of badass of this guy is amazing. And I just couldn't even about it. So... There's this Nebraska farmer that had to saw off his own leg with a penknife after he became trapped in farming equipment. So Kurt Kayser um, is 63, which, hello, badass, out doing the farm shit when you're 63. Right. Um, he was, first of all, home alone, um, and he was moving grain from one silo to another when he was pulled into an auger which is, like, if you don't know what that is, it's, like, a tube with an interior-shaped, like, a screw. So it, like, pulls it up. Um, and he was actually forced to cut off his lower leg with a three-inch pen knife. And he crawled to the nearest phone for help. So oh he gosh. spent... I know, right? Like, oh. So he spent weeks in the hospital and at rehab. Um, he's finally home. And he said, I didn't have no other choice. So the farmer was working alone on his 1,500-acre property on April 19th when the accident occurred. He was unable to find his phone to call for help, um, and he watched as the machine tore his foot off and mangled his lower leg as it pulled him further inside. Oh, my God. So the farmer took out his penknife, which a penknife is like, you know, just maybe like this little switchblady looky thing. Um, switchblade is probably like the wrong knife, but if your dad carried a pocket knife, this is what it looks like. Oh my gosh. Put that there. (laughs) Um, so he took out his knife and cut what remained of his limb just below his knee. He said the bone stuck out down to my ankle and that's what I was hanging on to as I was trying to get myself out. Oh my God. Once free, Mr. Kayser crawled hundreds of feet to the nearest phone and called his son, who picked him up and drove him into town. So, like, he doesn't even call an ambulance. He calls his son, which if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you have a 1,500-acre property, like, the son will probably get there faster than a fucking ambulance, but still. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I think I would have still called 911. (laughs) And then he, you know, got to the hospital and then he was flown to the state capitol, Lincoln, for treatment. Mr. Kayser said he had removed a safety covering at the end of an auger in the winter to make the equipment fit under a grain bin. And he was kind of disappointed in himself that he didn't think of fixing that. Um, And he said, but that's why they call it accidents, I guess. (laughs) Oh, jeez. 
And that's the end of Sam's wonderful story for this week. But I just can't even, like, that is so badass. Like, he just went into, like, survival mode. And he did what he had to do to survive. And, like, like he reacted so quickly he didn't freeze. But that is why I never think it's a good idea to be doing that stuff by yourself either. So, like, even when Matt's out here using power tools, like a saw... Like, I'm still, like, keeping an eye out or an ear out just in case. So, again, that's why we say don't drink and use an auger. Um, Yeah. Just be very careful around farm equipment in general, whether you are drinking or you're sober. Well, the end. (laughs) And uh, so my neighbor and I had a conversation semi-similar to this. Oddly enough, a few weeks ago, we borrowed their wood chipper. And, you know, she's like, be careful with the wood chipper. I hate the wood chipper. Like, the idea of using it terrifies me. But we really need it because that's how we're making our garden paths so that we don't have to keep mowing them. Mm -hmm. We're covering them with weed cloth and we're chipping them in because it'll really cut down on the amount of weed whacking and mowing we have to do in the area. Okay. So it's going to be super handy when it's done. We borrowed their uh, wood chipper and she's like, yeah, she's like, just be careful when you're throwing things in. Don't put anything that's like really long that can catch on your sleeves. She's like, because you'll be surprised like how fast that stuff kind of like grabs you and pulls you in. And she said, you know, my husband uses this thing all the time and he doesn't even like give it a second glance. He said, but that's how these old farmers end up injuring themselves. They've been using this equipment for so long Mm. that it doesn't scare them anymore. Right. Like it does you and I and and she she hates the wood chipper as well mm-hmm. and she's like that's why you see these old farmers with a missing arm or a missing leg because they'll be using like you know the, something with the grain auger or I forgot what the other piece of equipment was that she used as an example but she said those injuries happen around here all the time and it's not the young guys it's the older guys that are just get really comfortable around it so it's important yeah. to not get comfortable around terrifying things Right. Well, you get comfortable and then your reflexes just slow down as you get older, too. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. You know? Yeah. And, and if you've been doing something, you know, for 40 years, like you said, it's easy to get comfortable or think you know better or you got this. <laughs> yeah. Or you removed the safety equipment and forgot to put it back right. on. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But anyways, what can't you even about? I hope it's happier than mine. <laughs> yes, mine is happier than that. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. So I can't even believe that a group ordered a $300 bottle of wine at a restaurant and was served a $5,700 bottle of wine by mistake. I mean, I hope this happens to us when we're at Coop Camp because there's this winery like, right <laughs> by the hotel. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad if this happened to us. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be mad if this happened to us either. But, okay, so it's not necessarily like the fact that the mistake was made. Uh, that's not what I can't get over. I can't get over how awesome the restaurant was when they discovered the mistake. So I'm going to read their treat. To, uh, their treat. <laughs> their tweet to you. Their they tweeted tweeter. something. Yes, they their tweeter. You can tell that I don't Twitter. I have no idea how to work the thing. Uh, So the restaurant's called Hawksmoor Manchester, and they Mm. tweeted to the customer who accidentally got given a bottle of Chateau Lepine Pomerel 2001, which is a, is that 4,500 pounds? Is that what that symbol is? A euro? Oh, you're right. That's the euro symbol. Let me double check before we have to do a corrections corner. <laughs> I'm guessing, no, it's not a euro. Oh, it's not? Is it pounds? You're right. Oh, sweet. Yeah, let me just verify. Trust but verify. Pound. Yes, that's a pound. Woohoo, Bev is so smart. I'm leaving all this in. Bev is so smart. Just S-M-R-T. to prove how smart I am. I was like, shit, did I do the wrong conversion? Because I actually, no. like, I wanted to make it into U.S. dollars for people. So I Googled, what is 4,500 pounds in U.S. dollars? That's where I got my money from. Ta-da. Okay. So, uh, which is 4,500 pounds on our menu last night. Hope you enjoyed your evening. To the member of staff who accidentally gave it away, chin up. One-off mistakes happen, and we love you anyways. Aww. Isn't that so sweet? Yeah, you'd probably get fired in America for that. 
<laughs> I mean, probably. But yeah. What an amazing example of like not being a dick. Yes. Amen to that. Mistakes happen and humans deserve grace. So bravo, Hawksmoor Manchester. Yes. Indeed. Like that is a good point. But the markup on wines at restaurants is like usually over 50%. Oh, yeah. So it's probably really only like a $2,500 bottle of wine. Yeah, but still. <laughs> At least they're not garnishing his paycheck for like the rest of his life or her life. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. It would take forever to pay that off. Yes. Jeez. So we don't have a farm story this week, but Bess Bowman sent us something a little bit ago on Instagram. So we thought we'd read it this episode. So this is an ad on that was shared on Facebook. And it says, alpaca for sale. Or is it a mule? I don't know. I just know it loves to party. Senior Big Booty Hootie is up for sale, folks. This fine fella does it all. He's only needing to go because my friend is going on tour with his band, Necroglobocon. Necrogoblicon. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and won't be around much to party with him anymore. Sad face. Aww. He goes for... Security Big Booty Hootie at your service, parties, righteously pissing off neighbors, can haul things like small wagons filled with beer or farm stuff, <laughs> looking like some sort American woolly giraffe, dot, 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 angry mutant sheep that spits. Ha ha. <laughs> what does Big Booty Hootie look like? Or no, what does Big Booty Hootie like? Head rubs and back scratches with an oversized brush? Don't bring him a small inadequate brush or he'll give you the look <laughs> or he'll give you the look that my prom date back in 2002 gave me when I tried to impress her with something below average. What of? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of depressing thoughts, Big Booty Hootie is the perfect therapy animal. You now have the right to take your service therapy animal anywhere. Take him on the next flight to Punta Cana, or Punta Cana, <laughs> and no one can say shit. America. <laughs> Cons to Big Booty Hootie. You see that amazing hair? He needs to have it brushed. Good looks come at a price, and this is a fine-looking ass, so high maintenance is nothing out of the ordinary. He's loud. And loud like this corn-fed girl I took on a date to Dunny's last week. He won't <laughs> shut up and is very vocal. Get ready for an opus of knee-haws that will radiate into the skies until he feels fit that his song of his native people is complete. <laughs> He's horny. Just being honest. If you have a female alpaca already, he will have zero shames of taking her to Poundtown, USA. <laughs> Try stopping his romance and you will feel the wrath of his back legs. Also, don't bend over in front of him. Avoid that at all cost. Don't ask why. Just don't do it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Pros of your possible new friend? Loves Doritos. This is a true fact. Very big fan of, multi of Motley Crue. Girls, girls, girls. <laughs> He's pretty cool to pal around with. He'll always be there for you and never let you down. That's all. I'm selling this for a friend. $300 located in Hayward. Message for details. If you don't want them, fine. At least hire me to be your next wedding DJ. Maybe I'll even bring Hootie. Give my page a like and stay up to date. It's not weird. It's cool. <laughs> So yeah, that felt like quite the journey of an ad, but then there were also some quite adorable um, photos of Mr. Big Booty Hoodie. Yes. That were included as well. So thank you, Bess, for sending that to us. It was quite a, <laughs> it was quite a journey reading through that. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if that whole thing was just an advertisement for his DJ business. I mean, it got us to read all the way through so it was an effective ploy if that's where he was going with that <laughs> that's true all right oh. housekeeping it is housekeeping corner Woo! 
Coop Camp is coming up June 7th through 9th, and the link will be in the show notes. Come join us. We will be doing a few things there, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, yes. And take our survey. Give us anonymous feedback. There is a link in the show notes. Join our Facebook group. Uh, If you search We Drink and We Farm Things, it should come right up for you. There's a page and then there's a group. And for the love of everything, please, please, please answer all the questions. Otherwise, you're going to stay in purgatory. And if you're wondering why you haven't been let in yet, make sure you check your messages. Um, And there's usually like an other inbox for people you're not friends with. Because there might be a message from Bevan there asking you, to go back and fill out the rest of the questions. And review us in all the places. If you really like us, download the episodes when you listen and hit the subscribe button. And we've started loading our previous episodes to YouTube. And we will start dropping some videos in there from our adventures at Coop Camp, the Naperville Ale Fest, and trips to each other's farms. So go subscribe so that you don't miss out on our shenanigans. You can search for We Drink and We Farm Things, and it should come right up. Because that's how I found it yesterday when oh, I subscribed. Sweet. <laughs> and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. You subscribed to our channel? I did. <laughs> we have 10 subscribers. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And we sell merch. There will be a link to both shops in the show notes. And we are on Instagram at Drink and Farm. And we have a hashtag. So if you use hashtag Drink and Farm on Instagram, anytime you're drinking something you love and farming safely, remember that auger story, please. We share them every Tuesday and Thursday. And we, we've been sharing more in the stories because this is your community and we want to share you with each other. Yeah. And send us your farm stories or shit you think other listeners would enjoy. You can email them to drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Yes. This was fun. I survived. My beer is basically gone, and I am still semi-coherent. Good job. Go team. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, you guys. (laughs) Yes. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. Yes. So drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye, guys. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Mildred is a free-range chicken that lives in Seattle, Washington. She enjoys going on adventures with her human family. Adventures can be messy, so Mildred's family looked for a shampoo for chickens to give her the spa-like bath she deserved. To their disbelief, there were none. It turns out that most people were using dog or human or even dish soap to wash their chickens. Ooh, yeah, this is not good enough for their Mildred. And so began the development of a plant-based, eco-friendly, organic shampoo created for our feathered friends. Messy Mildred spa products were hatched because Mildred's humans believed every chicken deserved to be pampered like they're at the top of the pecking order. You can rest assured that your egg layers are being pampered on the outside with natural and earth-friendly ingredients that have no synthetic fragrances or colors. So go to MessyMildred.com and check out all the shampoos and salty egg bombs and pamper your flock.